Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to week two of a series that we began where we're discussing a topic that affects all of our lives, and that is when it's subject to change, and we're guaranteed that in life we have changes that come our way, and so we're looking at the book of Exodus, we're looking at a very big story in the Bible, and we're looking at how it filters through to the person of Jesus Christ, and looking at what we can learn about ourselves and learn about our great God when you face unexpected changes, and I assume there's many of you that are facing those things. And uh, I wanna also welcome those watching in a video venue here at the Keller campus. Welcome those maybe in the commons, those that are a part of another service. I wanna welcome all of you that watch online. I know we hear feedback from you multiple times. And our McKinney campus, I wanna welcome though, very exciting, we're celebrating with our Hazlitt campus launched last week with almost 900 people coming on the first Sunday. Come on, isn't that exciting? Exciting, exciting what God's doing and we know that many of you received Jesus and are taking steps and that's what it's all about. So we're excited about what God is doing. I do wanna highlight this special thing that happened here recently. I always love to tell you about these things because again, it's, it's your impact through your generosity and not only through just financial generosity, I wanna thank all the teams from our second Saturday serve that we're able to take care of code violations in our city because of construction teams and all of you that are a part of our outreach and missions and serve, uh, and this is one of the examples, what we were able to minister to families with children with life-threatening illnesses, at our fairy tale ball, my wife was like, Jeff, I want you to tell our people how great it is. She had the opportunity to serve. My daughters went, they came back, they were crying, they were thankful. Isn't it amazing what God does in your own heart when you serve other people? And we need some of that in our world today. We need to get outside of ourselves and serve people that are uh, in challenging situations. And uh, there was a girl there that literally almost passed away a short time before this, and she was there, and she was dancing, and she was enjoying what God was doing. That's amazing. There was also, my wife told me there was a little girl. She was really struck by her. She, she came up to my wife and said, this is the best fairy tale ball ever. <laughs> and uh, she went over to Cinderella, and she asked Cinderella, Cinderella, do you think this is the best fairy tale ball you've ever been to? I think we took over the, the Disney store, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, it's just amazing, and uh, I always just share this with you because I'm so proud of you and honored to be your pastor. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. We're picking up in this story, and maybe you had an opportunity to listen to last week's message where we set the stage for this story. I'm gonna look at Exodus 16 too. I'm gonna to also look at some other passages in the book of Exodus. And here's the big kind of picture of the story. It takes up several verses in the Old Testament and, and a big section of the Old Testament. 
There's movies made about this story. You may know the story, you may not know the story, but even if you've heard the story, you're gonna see something this weekend out of the story that maybe you need to be acquainted with. The, the fact is, there is this moment where God's people find themselves in bondage in Egypt, and they are submitted to this terrible rulership of the Pharaoh, and they cry out to God. By the way, when we think about change, you're like, are you taking the entire Exodus story and just making it about us having changes in our lives? Look, it's bigger than that. But I know that a lot of you are moving to the area. Some of you are in new seasons in your life. There are those of you that are facing things with your kids, and some of you are facing unexpected challenges. It's not that that's the only application of this story, but it is part of this scenario. The truth is we're gonna filter it all the way through to God's ultimate answer for us that he does want us to change. And change sometimes is the way he brings us to the realization that we need him. And he wants us to change. But the good news is of the whole story is we serve a God we can trust because he never changes. He is someone we can anchor ourselves to and they're in bondage in Egypt and God hears their cry. He has compassion for them. By the way, we're also gonna learn a lot. We're learning a lot as we read this about God. I hear people all the time who have never read the Bible, who have thoughts about the Bible and tell people, well, the God of the Old Testament was angry. He was mean. He can't be trusted. No, 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 no. You haven't read it. He's actually very compassionate, very long-suffering, extremely patient and considerate of where they are at every step in their journey. And so we see this picture of God, this nature of God, and God taking them out of Egypt. He takes them through the Red Sea, kills their enemies, and we picked up last week now that they're in this desert. Now it should have been an 11-day journey to the promised land because God doesn't just want to deliver you from where you are, he wanted to get Egypt out of them, but he was also wanting to take them to this promised land. It could have taken 11 days, but as the Bible says, they're an example for us. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they just continued as God was working with them to have these responses, and, and 40 years of wandering around, and I'm amazed by two and a half million people, and two, two went into the promised land. So we can learn something from where they're at. Last week, we looked at this story and we talked about now they're on the other side of the Red Sea, God drowns the Egyptians. They're now in this new place, this desert, and they need direction. And so what does God provide for them? Supernaturally crazy out there, a cloud and a, and a fire that they are able to follow. If you're here right now and you're like, I need direction from God. Can I encourage you with something that you may feel that's not the truth? God can't be connected to. He's got a busy signal in heaven. He's put me on the telemarketer list for the iPhone. You know what I'm saying? He just goes direct to voicemail. He's, he's not able. No, I wanna tell you, if you're looking for direction, God is a relational God. He's a revealing God. He's a God who speaks to his people. And I'm gonna ask you to pray a dangerous prayer. God, reveal yourself to me. I'll do whatever you ask. And if you pray that, he's gonna show up in your life. Supernatural, a cloud we talked about last week. But I wanna say something about where we're going this week. I believe in the people that I pastor, people on the other side of that camera, people looking at me in the face. 
I believe we all, as a pastor and as a person who's following Jesus, we all hit moments where we're asking God for direction. We're like, God, what do I do? What's your will? What do I do? I need you, I need to hear direction. But I believe the greatest fear of the people I pastor is not the need for direction, it's the fear of God's lack of provision when you step out toward what he's called you to. What if I don't have enough? What if God doesn't show up? What if I step out here and I fail because God is not providing for what he's called me to? This week, God's gonna touch. I want everybody to do some open evaluation. Touch on this big fear in our lives. It's a dominant fear that drives our culture. And that's the fear of what if God doesn't provide? What if he doesn't provide? What if he doesn't show up? Well, there's another out-of-the-box story that we need to study. Not just him leading them by clouds. Get this now, this is crazy. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Some of you old church folks, some of you would not relate to this. We used to sing this song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I think we blew a show for Anyway, that didn't make the album, okay? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And man, we need to consistently be reminded of that. Well, let me give you a Bible story that blows our minds and reinforces to us that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. They're on this journey and he drops bread out of heaven. Bread out of heaven. The Bible word for it is manna, Exodus 16, 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna. You're like, why is it called manna? They called it manna. Manna. It was white like coriander seed and it tasted like wafers made with honey. Now, God didn't call it manna. They called it manna because the word they said is similar to a Hebrew word that means, what is that? (laughs) Well, what is that? Now they're in the desert, guys. Look, it's big now. Look, this is not Kroger delivers your groceries to your house. This is no, there is no DoorDash. Okay, there's no Uber Eats. They're out here in the desert and God drops bread out of heaven and it was like this coriander seed. This is, you know, it's like, what is, they come out of their tent, they walk out. What is that? I thought about just, For humor's sake, I thought about a few things in our world that's what is that. Now, I love you. I really do. I love the people that I pastor. I really do. My heart's turned towards you, and I care about you. And I usually do this on Easter, but I just thought about this this week. I need to keep reinforcing this because people are sending me messages that they're not listening to my counsel. We have some things in our current world that are what is that. One of them is peeps, okay? Let me just tell you. What is a peep? I mean, let's be honest, it's not a marshmallow. We don't know what it is. I think it could contain the substance that's in fix a flat. <laughs> Twizzlers. What is that? How many of y'all eat Twizzlers? Come on out there. Way too many of you are eating this stuff. What is that, really? I mean, what is it? Now, here's a throwback. Here's a big throwback. Circus peanuts. 
Come on now. What is that? One lady back there, she don't even believe in raising hands. She's like, I praise the Lord for circus peanuts. What is that? My wife and I were driving down Interstate 45 the other day. We're driving along, and all of a sudden, these guys are really good at their marketing. We start seeing signs with a beaver on it. Come on, y'all. There's a beaver on the sign, and we're going to have this, and we're going to have this, and I'm after whatever they have on that meat bar is what I'm after. I'm after that jerky wall. I'm after some of that big, large drink. Do we need that much drink? I don't know, but I mean, I'm after a big Coke and some kind of sandwich. She's after her own private bathroom. That's what she's after. Come on. We walk in, the mother of all gas stations, the epicenter of gas stationedom. Huge. There are people going, I don't know if the church should get bigger. Well, Bucky's is getting bigger. <laughs> Churches just shouldn't be big. Well, Bucky's is huge. <laughs> so we walk into Bucky's, and there in Bucky's is a, about an 18, 19 year old girl, and she's yelling. She's over everybody. You need to get your beaver nuggets. <laughs> I think. That is in the classification of what is that? What is a beaver nugget? I mean, I tasted that thing. I'm thinking, what is that? There's a guy standing there. I said, do you eat these things? He goes, I eat them for breakfast. I put milk on them like cereal. I said, you need ministry, and I'm a preacher, and I can give it to you. <laughs> what is that? The question's not, again, manna, what is that, this coming from heaven? Here's what we need to know, not what is the substance of it, but it sustained a group of people over a long period of time on a daily basis because God is a provider. Now, when it comes to provision, I want everybody to look at me. I'm telling you, there's a greater level of fear over provision than many areas of our lives. Can, will God provide? So how do we think about provision? We're gonna go back to this manna story and we're gonna follow it through the Bible, but let's think for a minute. There's a lot of people who believe if I had more, my life would be a whole lot better if I had a little bit more. But if I just had that raise, if I just had that new thing, if I just, my life would be better if I just had a, not, not where I'm at, just a, just a little bit more life would be better. There's some who say, I'll never have enough. I, 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 don't, I don't have enough. You know, like, like, like here's a lie the enemy tells you. Like, if you had this, then you would follow God. If you, you know, like, if you're believing for a spouse, like, if there were any godly people on the planet that are single, then I would obey God to wait for that spouse. But since there's not, I'm gonna take a shortcut. If I had the amount of resources that I need, then I would step out and do what God has called me to do. But here's one that really comes to you after you journey, even for a little while. And this is why you can't hear what I'm talking to you about enough. Because the fear of provision is a great fear that the enemy uses. And here's where you can get, even after you've seen God provide, is you end up in a place that even when you hit numbers in your retirement account that you thought you would never hit, even when you get a paycheck that you never thought the numbers you see on it, it would ever be. 
Even when you get the house that is five times larger than any house you ever thought you would live in, and even when you get all of that, if you're not careful, you'll still not obey God. You'll still not do what God's called you to do because suddenly you shift into a place of, I'm afraid I might lose what I have. I'm afraid that I could lose what I finally got to. All of those questions and then some. If you're wondering, where is God? Will he show up? Can he provide? And the enemy's using that to paralyze you. This is what we all need to know. The root answer for all of that is my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That it's God who supplies it. The root of those questions is, I'm my source of provision. I earned this. I made this. I found this. I fixed this. I am the one who come to the place where this is reality in my life, but it's my God shall supply all of my needs. This Old Testament set of passages about manna is is, just amazing, okay? It's touching on the hearts of these people. I'm so glad the Bible's not edited and doesn't just give us, you know, all of the highlights, but tells us really where they're at. I, I don't know about you, but I see myself in this story. Let's look at it together. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, they've been set free from the bondage of Egypt. (laughs) God's parted the Red Sea. He drowned the Egyptians. They were thirsty, and he brought water out of a rock. And now they're going, (laughs) Wow. In the last two years, I've never seen so much grumbling and complaining in our culture. He's parted the Red Sea for us. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Look at the hyperbole. You say crazy stuff when you get in fear and then grumbling and complaining. There, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Not true. It's called confabulation. When you're not in a right place in your heart, you look at the past and you never see it through the lens of all the challenges you have and you glorify things that are not true. But you have brought us out into the desert. Look at these people who are experts on what Moses is actually doing too, by the way. You brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. How many people have you led through the desert? You know what I'm saying? They, haven't, they, are, a def, they are able to define exactly what's going on And yet they themselves are really in a place where God's wanting to deal with their heart. Doesn't have anything to do with what Moses is doing. But boy, they got a lot of projection to give to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, look how good God is. You know, if I'm God in that moment, I'm like, you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. I mean, that's the world I came from. Get a ladder and get over it, Jeff. That's where I came from. That was the world I lived in. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. What a good God. The people are to go out each day. Now, this is the hard part. Each day and gather enough for the day. I don't particularly like that about walking with God and journeying with God. I would prefer that when he calls me to a new season, he gives me all of the food I need before I have to follow him. I want the map 
and I want all the bread. But he says day by day, day by day, day by day, day by day, you have to come to me. And look what he says. In this way, I will test them to see if they will follow my instructions. Provision is a test. Provision is a test. Jesus says it reveals the heart. Malachi says that in fact you can test God in him testing you with how you handle provision. It's a test. He said, I'm gonna test whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they're to go out and prepare what they are to bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days because of the Sabbath day, right? Principle in God, because we have to trust him. And look what it says over in verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured it by the omer, that's two quarts of dried goods, also connects to the Jewish Passover and several things, but says the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. No one is to keep any of it, okay? Because we're supposed to go day by day. But I don't know if I'm talking to any parents in the room. You give the instruction. Do it this way. There's always people smarter, though. That, that it, again, it, it, there's always a group of people, sometimes your kids, sometimes you, who are, oh, oh I know how to do it. However, he said, some of them paid no attention to Moses. Some of them said, I'm gonna disregard that. They kept part of it until morning. Because of course, provision is a test. And some people, when they're in the fear of provision, think they are God and the one who is actually the source. So they do it their way. And he says here, look what it says. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. By the way, Moses, you might say, well, that, Moses, isn't he the hero in the story? And he got angry, so is it okay if we get angry? No, 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 no. Moses' anger kept him from going in too. Don't ever forget, just because people aren't listening to your instructions or people aren't necessarily in a place where they're obeying God or whatever people are doing around you, you're not responsible for their reaction to their relationship with God. And if you let yourself get in anger and you're angry all the time, it's not really going to change them or stop them. It's gonna keep you from going into the promised land. It'll keep you from what God wants to do in your heart. So Moses' anger kept him from going in as well, you say, okay, well, what does this have to do with the landscape of the Bible? Because we know this is a, a, a type and a shadow of the Old Testament revealed. Well, when I think about bread and provision, it's all the way through the Bible. I could give you multiple examples. One, I think about Elijah and the widow. She, this widow, she says, all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm gonna make my child a cake and then we're gonna die. And Elijah the prophet comes and says to her, look, make this and and then there was this idea of, really what I love about this story is the miracle was there in the house. A lot of times we think about provision as being something that comes from out there, but many times it's about what God is doing for us to see what we already have. And so by offering and obeying the voice of the Lord, actually what ends up happening is the flour never runs out and the oil never runs out. But the biggest story of the Bible that I think is so powerful is the feeding of the 5,000. It's in the New Testament. Jesus is with the disciples, 
And they have kind of gone out on their first ministry step and they're like, you need to send these people away so they can find something to eat. And Jesus says, I'm about to teach you how to feed people. I'm, look, the highest level of provision is not believing God for him to provide for you. The highest level of faith and trust and provision in God and understanding it at a big level is when you actually understand how to impart this trust for God's provision to other people around you. And he knew the disciples had a big calling, so they had to get this revelation. And there was a little boy there who had his lunch. Did his mom know when she packed his lunch that day that it was gonna be something that Jesus would put in the Bible and make it big? But he brought a little fish and a little bit of loaves and Jesus touched it because whatever you have in your hand is just you. If you're your source, then you have to be the one to bless it and multiply it. But when you take what you've been given by God and continue to put it in his hands, he has the ability to multiply it. So he he multiplied it, and it's not the feeding of the 5,000, it's really more like 15 or 20,000. And they had stuff left over. You're like, why are you telling us this story? I'm talking about bread, I'm talking about provision. And Jesus comes in John 6:48 and says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread, talking about himself, that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Day after that feeding of the 5,000, here's what they said, can we do this every day? Who, who wouldn't want that? Like, I, I just want God to walk around with me and multiply McDonald's Happy Meals all day and then I, I just, just kinda just, that'd be awesome. And he says, look, 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 you're missing the whole point of my provision all along. I'm what you're looking for. I'm the bread of life. Let me apply it to our current context. You can, acquire all the provisions of God your whole life, none of them will satisfy the hunger in your soul. You can continue, and nothing wrong with God's blessings and God's gifts to us and the things he allows us to enjoy, but I wanna make something really clear, and I know who I'm talking to in our context, we are very blessed. We have storage buildings upon storage buildings of all our junk. And I do a fair amount of funerals. Let me let you in on a secret. They don't let you put that stuff in the casket. You don't take it with you. Your kids are gonna fight over it. They're gonna throw about half of it away. Some of it they're gonna sell in a garage sale. And here's the reality. When you stand before God, whoever dies with the most toys still dies. And you can't purchase your way into a relationship for all eternity with a God who is perfect. You can't provide for your own salvation. No amount of the provisions that you have received in this life will matter at any level in that life. And in a world today that is so temporally focused, we get so stirred up and afraid about current provision, we need to remind ourselves that this life is short and this is not what it's all about. And no matter how much provision we receive here, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't have the bread of life, then you will die without that provision. Jesus said, what you're hungry for is me. We've all done it, that thing you wanted. I know some of you younger people, when I used to hear this kind of preaching, I'd be like, well, great, you got stuff. I get it, I was there. Oh yeah, that's just a guy who's been down the road. Let me just tell you, it is true. You get, what if I could get that? If I could just get there, if I could get, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, now you don't even know where it is. Now you don't even, it's like, it's not the ultimate provision. The ache in our souls and the hunger and the thirst to acquire 
And the desire for that comes out of our hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ in your life. He's the bread of life. And if you don't know you need saving, you won't be hungry for the Savior. Now, in this story, though, it's not just about the salvation of Jesus back to the direction. It's really about even a revelation of God's provision. And I, I want to tell you, in my own life, I, I grew up in a home where I was taught stewardship. Parents, you should teach your kids that. My dad was an engineer. He taught stewardship. He was a steward. I mean, his belief is not a lot of people's belief today, that you deserve something, that you should have your perfect job even though you've never done anything, that you should have what, that somebody else is, they're the real reason why you haven't or it's someone else's fault. I, I didn't grow up with that. I grew up in a small town in Northeast Texas, began applying for college scholarships. My parents couldn't have afforded for me to go to college. I started applying as a sophomore. I got an opportunity to go. I was taught that if you steward the little, God will give you more to steward. That's what I was taught. I was taught with money, I gave my life to Christ and received the ultimate provision of Jesus, but with money, my first lawn mowing jobs, I was taught to tithe. I don't care if you come to Milestone, this is not a fundraising talk. You need to teach your kids that because the Bible says there's a blessing on handling God's money God's way. We're doing fine financially as a church, doing phenomenal. We have very generous people. But let me tell you, don't deny his instructions and eat it and take it and wait. Don't do it. I was taught that. Never regretted one moment that God taught me that at a young age. Where God really wants to get you is to really trust him for his provision in your life, that he's the source of everything in our lives. And I went through about a nine-year period where God had me circling that. I guess I was kind of like those children of Israel out there in the desert taking the, anybody, you ever have God make you take the same test over and over and over? I mean, I'm confessing to you. I was taught stewardship, but I wasn't taught provision at that level. I just wasn't. I'm not being critical of my upbringing. I'm just, I wasn't taught that. And I want to encourage somebody with this right now. There's a fine line between stewardship and being afraid of not having enough for the future. When's the last time, even in your own life, you did something so crazy with God that you had to depend on him like him bringing manna tomorrow? We got to keep living. It's hard the more you have. The more you want to pray, God, what are you asking? And God was just bringing me to that place. I had a supernatural breakthrough. There was some ministry that I received from another pastor. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, do I, am I, have I arrived? No, but I'm going to tell you, I had a supernatural breakthrough in really trusting God for his provision. Did you know you can even overcome difficult seasons and just use the principles of sowing and reaping and faithfulness and stewardship and actually get past a challenging season but never get the revelation of God's provision? See, their deal was not did they keep kind of moving forward and God keep providing. The key was at every step, they still didn't get the revelation that God is the one that provides. They didn't get there. I'm gonna give you three things before I pray for you. Why does God want us to depend on him for provision? Well, number one, God never leaves us without provision, but he wants us to want him more than the provision. Same with direction. He doesn't wanna just give us the map. He wants us to walk with him and, and, and have this relationship with him where we trust him for his provision. 
So if you're in a need of God's provision in your life, God is a provider. But you know what the higher thing he wants to do is to actually have you in a place where you want him more than what he can give you. He wants to build that relationship with you so that you are in a trusting place with him. And I will say this, no matter how long you walk with God, there's nothing like a season of change to cause you to disconnect from the very relationship that is your source. To get you in a place where I have to fix this, I have to solve this, I have to make this happen. God can rain down bread from heaven. If only receiving provision made you the healthiest, then people with the most should be the most healthy spiritually. You're like, Pastor, are you saying it's wrong to have God's provision in your life? Absolutely not. Everything that is good in our lives comes from God. But make no mistake, the hardest people on the planet to get into a personal relationship with Jesus are people who have at their fingertips everything they need. Because when you have what you need around you, you can come to a place where you forget that your greatest need is him. The second thing is, what's he really up to? You're like, why are we studying this manna story? Well, why did he say, I'm gonna test you and I want you to go daily because number two, he's trying to build dependence. Dependence is what unlocks really that extinguishes that fear and brings that provision into our lives through the person, Jesus Christ. He, he, wants, to, he wants to build in our lives that dependence on him every single day. Quite honestly, the further you go, the harder it is sometimes. It's like when you kind of feel like, man, I've made it, I got it, I got, I got, I got it kind of covered. It's easy to lose sight of how dependent I am day by day. Jesus, when the disciples ask him, tell us how to pray, what did he put in that prayer? Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Amazing. I mean, we just went through a time where it's amazing, the, the fear of not having, I mean, you know, let's just remind ourselves, just a few months ago, we were fighting over toilet paper. I mean, it's like we have, had, evidently, God's trying to say something to us with winter storms and toilet paper and situations and circumstances. Maybe he came into our well-put-together world and there's a, where are you depending? Who are you depending on? What's your source? By the way, I wasn't mad that you guys bought all the toilet paper. I was mad you bought the good toilet paper. Because toilet paper doesn't come, that's a different message, but the older you get, you want like some lotion in it or something, you know what I'm saying? I'm outdoorsman, we'll make do, you know what I'm saying? But come on, I mean, I, I, I'm dependent, I'm entitled to toilet paper with oil, and lotion. <laughs> Dependency. Are you just looking for provision? Are you looking to be more dependent on the God that you daily say, everything I have comes from you, I'm dependent on you, I need you in my life? The third thing, we navigate change best when we're grateful. Did you hear them? They've been set free, they've been. You brought us out here to die. Like let's do a real evaluation. 
but still a real evaluation of our lives. Gratefulness is an attribute of people who can actually help others when change is going on. Entitled people do not navigate change well. People who think that God, you should have, or they should, or this should, or that, it just doesn't work well in your spirit. The best way to navigate change is go, well, I don't really like that, but man, God, you've really been good here, and you've really been good here, and you've blessed me there, and you've taken care of me here, and you showed up here. Gratefulness is such a powerful attribute. We wanna see it in our kids, don't we? You know, we wanna see gratefulness pouring out of their lives. It's such a powerful attribute when things around you are going different than maybe even you expected. I did recently, I don't, I journal some, but I had prayer cards from the last several years. Really, I had a prayer card from when we started Milestone. And um, I go, I have about three now. And I, I journal some, but I, I love prayer cards. We use them during prepare. And, and um, I had the one from our first prepare. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I kind of put on there, you know, things with my kids or things going on or our church. And I, I, I have these prayer cards and I spent a little time just looking back over them. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I didn't take enough time to be grateful for some of the places God had answered the prayer. Isn't it, we're so much better at asking for God to provide than we are thanking him for his provision. I know, I, I just was like, Lord, I just wanna spend some time. I had a little moment with me and the Lord where I just took, and I was amazed at, isn't it amazed when you look back at some of the stuff you were absolutely scared of and thought that you would never, and God has shown up in those areas, and it's just, you just look back. And I just started, I used a red pen, started circling, and, and, and putting praise hands. When people send me something cool, I send them a praise hand. Some of you are like, well, I, I hold my coffee, I don't use the praise hands. Get enough problems, you'll, you'll get praise hands. I mean, you get a big need and God shows up, you'd be like, praise hands. Praise hands. Get a big problem, you'd be like, praise hands. Praise hands. And I just was taking a red pen and just drawing praise hands. And you know what? My prayer cards were full of so many places. Do I still have needs? Yes. Do I still think, have things I'm seeking God for? I had so many places where God had provided in a powerful way. Can I encourage you to maybe do that this week with all the things going on in, our, in your life and in the world, just to be like, Lord, I just wanna thank you for all of this because you have been so good. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. First of all, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, can I encourage you right now? You can't provide for your own salvation. You can't provide for your own salvation. Jesus is the Savior. There's a narrative in our world that we are basically good people, we just need to get better. But the Bible says we are a broken people, a people who are in need of a Savior, a people who are lost when we're without Jesus Christ. And you may, maybe an area of provision could actually be a place where you meet the provider. 
And maybe you just need to say, Jesus, I give myself to you. I believe. Maybe you're watching me by video even, and you're just, I, I just, I give my life to you, Jesus. I surrender myself to you. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. In fact, Jesus, you're the bread of life, and I receive you today. Come into my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know so that we can help you grow in your relationship with God, help you walk with him, help you learn what it means to follow him. But the second group of people I want to pray for is you're at a place where there's a provision need. There's, there's, a, there's a challenge that you're facing, and it's brought you to a place even where you realize, I need to be dependent on him. And Lord, I'm asking you. I'm asking, Lord, not just for the answer to the prayer, because you are so good at that. You are so gracious to us. You are so generous to us. Even these Egyptian, this situation with being freed from the Egyptians and the Israelites, Lord, you still are pouring out manna from heaven. Lord, you are so generous to us, but we don't just want the answer to the prayer. We want you. We want to depend on you at a greater level. Lord, we want to remind ourselves that you are our source. We want to remind you that you have taken care of us. We want to remind ourselves of how good you've been. Lord, give us a grateful heart, a grateful spirit, a place, Lord, where we continually remind ourselves that you are faithful and your promises are true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.